<laughs> yeah, that Do makes sense. Do you want to start a podcast? <laughs> we could use our snowball mics. <laughs> Never. Not allowed with, not oh. with Rob here. No, no, no snowball mics. <laughs> They're fine for what they, they, they are. They are fine for what they are. Yeah. Yeah, but you can't use them like together. It's, it's, you need, well, they're I mean, just USB, they right? They are just USB. Yeah. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Anyway, welcome back to Overdrinks. <laughs> um, it's been a while. Oh, so long, right? <laughs> I have no idea when this is actually going to come out, but in real time, it's happening about 12 hours after the last one. Accurate. Um, does this does this count as well? It certainly counts as the quickest over drinks episode that's happened. But is this also like the the shortest time bef- between podcasts that you've recorded? No, 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 no. not at all. Um, I've totally done them back to back before. Mm. Like do do one at one and one at three. You know, mm-hmm. cranking them out there. Well, sometimes uh, people's schedules they it just works out that way, and uh, yeah, it's th- those days are fun but tiring (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. so we're still in our living room yeah living room of jamie and andrew so uh and it's like an hour before cat dinner so this is gonna Mm -hmm. be a really interesting episode yeah we might get some uh chirping other participants oh oh, so exciting some some very vocal complaints yeah um so uh we're drinking again (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not going as hard as last night but there's, a, there's a theme to this yeah <laughs> yeah uh so let's see who's got what andrew oh we're starting with me well we have to recover from you yeah oh, okay that's fair <laughs> well well you know one of my our i suppose favorite local brewing companies uh has come out with their winter selections and so yes. ellicottville brewing company by the way which has no financial stake in this podcast whatsoever this they should uh, I mean, with the amount that I'm endorsing them, what is that? An endorsement from Andrew Bad Beer Andy? Um, Poor life choices, Smith. Yeah, oh, no. this is a lovely raspberry truffle that I'm actually enamored with. Okay, it's a raspberry truffle. It is an ale uh, brewed with natural flavors. <sighs> Not beer flavors, but other natural flavors. Yes, right. Yeah. That's the way yeah. my beer rolls. Yeah, I love it. Um, I have, you know. One of my traditional drinks here. I have a sore throat still, so I'm drinking ginger beer because it's very soothing. Yeah. yeah, I hear ginger is good for a throat. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm going the opposite way. Yep. I'm doing stuff that's bad for the throat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to that. Yeah. Uh, I've got some bourbon uh, and uh, it's just wild turkey 101. You know, one want back to basics, back to basics. It is uh, I'm sure people have a lot of bad memories from college of shooting this stuff. <laughs> but, you know, uh, for twenty five bucks a bottle um, is not bad. You know, sweet. It, it's it's very. But it can be a little rough on the throat. <laughs> <clears throat> so anyway. Um, okay, so today uh, the three of us are here. We thought we would like talk about each other's music a little yeah. bit. Jamie, what was your title for this? All up in your process. All up in your process. And partially because we talk on the podcast a lot about what's going on in our lives creatively and what's 
holding us back or pushing pieces forward. And all three of the pieces we brought today are pieces written during the pandemic, either for digital performance or um, because we couldn't write for large ensemble or just because the opportunity presented itself. But the three of us have a creative process that overlaps a lot, including late night phone calls, screaming about tech and uh, and extended technique experimentation. So we thought we'd talk about these three pieces. Yeah. Yeah. There's a Venn diagram here. I think that's a nice overlap between it's the three a circle. of us in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, it's what? just the three of us. <laughs> like, it's completely overlapping. <laughs> like, it's just a circle. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, so, Jamie, do you want to go first? Yeah, you caught me mid-swig there, but yeah, yes, I know. Yes. I was trying to stretch it out. <laughs> so you, Jamie, Jamie. So you're bringing us a uh, a clarinet solo that was recently was it the premiere? Yes, yeah. two, two back to back. Yeah, I think was the is the one that we have a recording of the phys- the live performance. Yes, okay. yeah. So yeah. um, so I this piece, and I think we I think we actually talked about this piece. In the middle of Corona tones. Yeah. Because What's it called? the retelling of it. I didn't have any materials to play it. Um, but I, I do think I talked about March shut down. All of the perf- beautiful performances we had planned for the rest of 2020 got canceled. Yeah. There were over 20 performances canceled for me. And I was not in a happy place, much like most, most of the rest of us. So, um, I had been working on some large ensemble stuff and I put it away, put it aside entirely and decided to write something that brought me some joy and uh, the possibility of digital performances. So this piece, the retelling of it is for solo clarinet and it is dedicated to all of the Andrews in my life. <laughs> yeah, Why, it ain't just me, folks. The, the dedication is to all the Andrews in my life. How did you all choose clarinet? <laughs> There's a lot of us. There's seven. Yeah. Oh my god. I know seven, and like three or four of them are all Andrew S. of some sort. Mm. So Andrew Seigel, Andrew Sprung, Andrew Smith, obviously. Andy Hudson is the one who did the digital premiere at the International Clarinet Association New Music Weekend a couple weeks ago. Yep. And uh, and Andrew Seigel, who's who will be listening to today, uh, gave the first performance with a live audience here at Fredonia a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so. and long-time listeners of the podcast, uh, Andrew Seigel has collaborated with uh, Jamie and I on a lot of projects here at Fredonia for obvious reasons, being a great colleague of ours, but uh, any of the demi-clarinet stuff, like mm. the trio and mm-hmm. the yep. solo piece, yeah, Andrew Seigel was very instrumental, pun intended, uh, on those pieces. <laughs> I blame the beer. I blame the beer? No? Um, and he also knows uh, Brandy Huddleston, who pub- publishes her flute beatbox stuff with us. They're good friends from, mm-hmm. I can't remember where. Something time, has erased that. Time before. Time so, before. yeah. So the retelling of it was a fun little project. Um, somebody had brought up to me the idea of fractal poetry the weekend before everything shut down. We were having dinner uh, at a local restaurant. And this is my librettist and, and collaborator, Pam Hart. She was talking about fractal poetry and my brain just kind of went berserk with this idea of a mathematical principle. And I had wanted to write the retelling of it for a while. I was like, what is better than a piece about tall tales getting taller in every retelling of it than this idea of fractals and 
um, small ideas being blown up into huge ideas. Mm, and okay, so yeah. I didn't do as much as much research as I would have liked. I kind of just took the idea of fractals as a concept for right now and played with it. I do want to do more research into what fractal poetry really does and um, and how to apply it to what we do. But uh, but yeah, that was kind of the the elemental concept behind it. And the only program note for this is a sentence long. The program note is, have you ever heard a story that gets bigger in every retelling of it? I know, right? (laughs) All right. Well, let's, let's listen to it and then talk about it.
Sweet. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I like and enjoy both Andy Hudson's performance and Andrew Seigel's performance. And the nice thing is, as one of the Andrews who is going to be performing this piece, <laughs> um, they, they each came at it with their own little kind of interpretive nuances. Absolutely. Um, which I think speaks well of the piece in a lot of ways. I think like the you you made a solo piece that, for a solo wind instrument that fucking grooves. You know? Right. <laughs> Except there's no meter to this piece. I, get, I know. I get yelled at all the time. <laughs> but it grooves like <laughs> I loved I, I loved all of the little, you know, obviously you have that like really um that really like strong opening motive and mm-hmm. opening thing that uh that comes back of course a lot in yep. in different forms, but there were some moments where you took that like little little wiggly noodly thing <laughs> at the end of it you know and you just did it quietly and it was like and it was oh man it was great <laughs> i loved it so much <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean this is all over the instrument you know yeah you, you are yeah oh it definitely gets bigger in the retelling of good it. <laughs> good luck good luck andrew thank you thank um you. <laughs> yeah i think so yeah obviously three clarinetists have been practicing it and um Andrew's office is when he started practicing it, it was right above where we're sitting. And Hmm. one night I was sitting on the couch hearing this piece get practiced and I heard him stomp on the floor and just a little bit of dust fell from the ceiling. (laughs) 
And it wasn't a stomp because it was grooving. It was a stomp because it was, it was a fuck it stomp. Motherfucker. God. <laughs> Jamie. It, it, uh, there are. Mo- now, it, it does. It lays well on the instrument generally. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I will say that for any of those clarinetists listening, if you have a left hand E flat key, <laughs> mwah, you're going to love it. <laughs> if you don't have a left hand E flat key, you just get creative with it. Yeah. Okay. By the way, that that's a segue into one of my favorite um, uh, tempo marking, character markings that you've given. I oh, think yeah. The beginning of this, get fractal with it. Get fractal it? with <laughs> it is definitely like yes, it's it's get fractal with it is the so introductory. As you were writing this, you know what you said that you and Andrew were kind of we did. Um, and so actually, this this like pulls into all up in your process. A conversation I've been having with my students about writing for their own instruments. I have oh, yeah. played clarinet. Mm-hmm. Well, we we discovered that in the last overdrinks. Ten-year-old Jamie was writing uh, Irish pieces. limericks for clarinet <laughs> Casio and, keyboard. and Casio keyboard. <laughs> so, well, we yep. we we know that you play we some know. clarinet. So I played it for two years, and then, um, oh God, I also played it in marching band in high school. But like, it's it's you know, you didn't march bassoon. I did one year. We don't need to Seriously? get into that. Oh, yeah. yeah, I had a harness made to march in it. Um, <laughs> but that's something you actually need endurance for. So I do not recommend it. Also, the vocal's dangerous. Let's mm. just never do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I marched with clarinet for a few years, and then I became the banner holder. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I was teeny tiny little high school. We walked in a different tempo than the music. We didn't have a marching band. We had a parade band that uh, tried. It was a meandering band. Yikes. It was a meandering band. Yes, yikes. our straight lines were not straight. Hey, I mean, I mean, th- some of those are the best gigs. I have to say, my best parade moments. Tangent. I'm, apologies. I again blame the beer. Uh, but uh, oh, I blame the beer for a lot. Like parade <laughs> bands that are on like floats. Yeah, I loved doing those gigs where uh-huh. you like you just sitting on like the back of a hay truck, something like that, mm-hmm. like hay hay trailer. Yeah. Hay we should have we should have been on a hay truck because we could not march in time. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we tried ish. Oh, Anyways, that's cute. Um, Try-ish. so so uh, so I've played clarinet. I know the instrument yeah. well enough to make sounds on it, but um, I also really strongly believe you should not write for instruments that you know all the ins and outs of idiomatic writing for mm-hmm. at the instrument. Yeah. Wait, can you unpack that a little bit for people who might be scratching their noggin? Oh, I well, get it. I, I don't think many are going to be scratching their noggin, but like... I, if, well, if, I don't know who's listening. If you write for your own instrument and you want it to sound cool, sometimes like Weber comes out of my hands when I'm playing bassoon. Yep. You know, yeah. I, you, we've yeah. ingrained these passages so well, if we're doing things right, we've ingrained these passages that Samson's not coming out. The technique the of technique the instrument is, yeah, overrides exactly. the compositional process. So when I write for bassoon, I write at the piano, except for if there's a couple of passages that I'm like, okay, I need this you know, sextuplet to fly. I need it to not be a barrier to success of this piece. So I'll write a couple of things. So I kind of approached it the same way with this piece and you. I came to Andrew with a couple of 
requests. So I was like, okay, I really need this. Uh, there was that like quasi hummy multiphonic passage that yeah. spills up. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I described what I needed and I had some pitches and ideas for it. And he was like, no, all of that's trash. <laughs> no, that's not, that's not happening. Um, it's a very supportive environment. Yeah, it was. It was great. Um, we're still married. That says something about something. I don't are know you what. T- are you talking about like there's a, there's a, like a fuzzy multiphonic, but then it's like, do we, 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 like that yeah, thing? Yeah, like goes- you're jumping between the multiphonic and other notes it Correct. was yeah okay, there's yeah. a there's a multiphonic uh it, it's, it happens it's toward the beginning like of the a first dyad time. Yeah. yeah it's a it's a yeah. very very soft multiphonic that kind of sounds like a pedal tone mm. around mm-hmm. this uh compound melody like mm-hmm. that yeah. the clarinet is playing it's yeah it's a lot of fun so uh so that one he trashed the idea that i came with um and it's fine it's totally fine I did. I, it's fine. Um, <laughs> Is it fine, Jamie? <laughs> all all of my broken bones have healed. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> Someday we're gonna be in court, and this episode's gonna be used. <laughs> he was joking. You have to tell the people you're joking. Um, am I? Yes, I am. <laughs> um, and so there were a couple of passages where I was like, okay, I need I I need a double tam- timbre trill. It can be one of these four pitches. Yeah. It has to start as a solid pitch, move into a single timbre trill, and then into a double timbre without suddenly sounding like it's a flock of yeast flying through. You know, <laughs> like it needs to have some subtlety to it. Uh, here's, uh, your, uh, <laughs> here's your four pitch options. And so a yeah. lot of the piece was constructed around a couple of moments that I wanted the technique to not be a barrier to learning yeah. it. It's not easy still. I mean, he still obviously stomps and swears at it. Um, and I got a text house. from Handy Hudson <laughs> in the middle of like, it was like four days before he was set to record it. And it was something along the lines of, man, this piece is wild. The more I learn, the more I learn. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean like in a, extremely supportive way yeah and so yeah that those moments were there were some areas where i did not pay attention at all to what the clarinet clarinetists might have needed to make it a little easier it's evident by the case that it's still really hard but uh but those moments were were constructed to be clarinet friendly yeah yeah, I feel like, you know, it falls into the realm of difficult, but certainly not impossible, which yeah. is like a, a sweet spot, I think, with a lot of professional music is you, you want it to to challenge a performer to like feel like they're the time they put into the piece is going to yield like the fruits of their labor. Like it's right. going to feel like they've it's accomplished something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I certainly think that happens. Um, and, and I feel like with so as solo pieces go, I usually I. I I think this is not a surprise to anybody in this room, even the caps. Uh, I tend not to love solo pieces. Yeah, me neither. And this is the cl- this clocks in at what about eight minutes? You had said, Rob, right? Uh, just under eight and a half. Yeah. yeah so, li- like, I'm invested in this piece, yes, but actively engaged when I listen to other people play it. Uh, it has a it has a nice flow to it. Well, I I think that is because uh, you have so much material that you are familiar with that is expanding. Mm-hmm. Is coming back. It's not one of those meandering solo pieces. Yeah. Despite the meandering experience in a walking band, <laughs> um, meandering band, strolling band, um, meander band, meander band. Um, so, but but that's why I think it it works as an eight and a half minute clarinet solo. It's because you you're never leading us that far astray and when stuff comes back it's like 
Oh, I reckon. Oh, that was a little bit. Oh, right. Oh, the same, oh, but hello, different. You know? yeah, exactly. I also feel yeah. like it gets a little pushier and a little more violent as you get yeah. into it. So yeah, when, totally. when somebody wants to stop paying attention, I really don't let them. Yeah. <laughs> no. Look at this. You will Look. listen. This clarinetist is working hard. Pay attention. This is this is something that I bring up uh, in. I'll probably bring up in Rob's piece too, because as as we're listening to these, uh, from what I know of both of your outputs and the pieces that we're talking about, um, there is a pacing and a gesture to both of your musics that is very engaging. And I often talk to my students about, you know, I give them an ar- a relatively arbitrary rule. You know, like mm-hmm. we hear about the rule of three as yeah. composers a lot, which is a good rule to follow. As long as you don't follow it all the freaking time. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, Outliers are good. Right. Everything exactly. in moderation. Even, even moderation. moderation. And so this <laughs> idea of uh, the seven second rule, I usually tell my students, it's like, mm. you know, every seven to 14 seconds, something should change in your music. I'm not going to tell you what that is. I'm not going to tell you it has to be a drastic change. Uh, I am going to tell you that it has to be noticeable. And I do that. I do this little exercise with my students. I have them Rob you know, just pick looks a. Skeptically it's so at good. Oh, it's, I, I love everything about the this. Serengeti. <laughs> um, <laughs> the the uh, am I the wounded gazelle? I don't like this. Uh, you do have a cat that's about to pounce. <laughs> oh, jeez. Next to yours. So. The the idea being, uh, we'll, I'll have them do a little exercise, which I think I stole from Marilyn Shrewd, uh, uh, to listen, like pick a piece. Let's Peace. listen to one of your favorite pieces. Peace. And I give them, um, you know, I have them open up a, a stopwatch app on, on their phone or whatever device they have with them. And I'm like, okay, every time your attention is grabbed, I want you to hit the lap feature. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And... It's amazing to watch their expression as they see how off, like how it's like, oh, four seconds, seven seconds, 12 seconds, eight seconds, six seconds, seven seconds. Like, the, like it averages out somewhere between seven to 14 seconds. If you follow that rule exactly, your piece is probably going to sound like trash. Yeah. But if you're keeping that human perception in mind, mm-hmm. I think you end up with a really engaging piece. Well, I think that also leans to, uh, it also speaks to the fact that. W- if you look at the average, the statistics for like how long someone looks at a painting in an art gallery. Oh, Jesus. Mm. The average is only about seven seconds. Yeah. And like, you know, you can judge in that amount of time. If you love it, you hate it, you move on. There are certain paintings I'll sit in front of for two hours, but that's, that's an outlier. Yeah. And out. <laughs> Great. Yes. Uh, and so I think that, idea of if you don't like this seven seconds just wait a little bit obviously there's stylistic pieces that that does not work for yeah like minimalism uh, i mean depending because uh, post minimalism like, mm-hmm. there's, there's plenty that develops at sure. about that pace yeah or, sure, and, and the shift could be something as as you know as changing the reverb right on like some of these some of these people like get like where oh okay like you change a little bit of the atmosphere and the people that really obsess about it, you do get like, oh, crap, this gradual shift over time. It's well, yeah, I think that works really well with like post minimal stuff. Um, you know, go back to piano like phase. Trance music or so, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you're, you know, seven seconds is nothing. You know? Yup. But Yelp. it's also really functionally different. And when well, we sit down to yeah, listen to a piece, like, you, I'm not you, walking into a minimalist concert blind right you come mm. with a different set of expectations exactly right. so you're saying the 7 to 14 second rule is for like 
if you want to generate music that has progression, yeah, that has yeah, yeah. like apparent progression, that's typically and the drive. realm. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm stealing yeah. this too from uh, Roger Reynolds' uh, okay. essays, right? Uh -huh. Where he talks about this perceptual window of clarity that we have in the past. Like we have absolute mm. memory yeah. seven seconds into the past and then it starts to get fuzzy. Yeah. Um, you know, you, I, I'm, I'm actually thinking of a, uh, I, oh my God, I use this song so much in lessons i'm sure my students are getting sick of it um <laughs> what is mark it? good it's, pedagogy it's, it's our turn it's a nine inch nail song yes um and uh it's uh it's called um copy of uh and it's like copy of a copy of a copy gotcha of a copy, you know? yeah yeah and um it opens up with a just a synth bass line and that plays through the entire song but it starts out and you can hear how this is uh this is a sequence they've, they've set up on some kind of analog synth and you can hear them turning the dials. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like you can hear them like degrading changing, over time, or changing like, yeah. the attack, mm -hmm. adding a little bit more resonance, changing like the the cutoff, the decay, like all these things. And yeah, it happens about every seven or fourteen <laughs> seconds, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, cool. Yeah. 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 No. Uh, so, so I do have maybe one more question for Jamie, perhaps, um, if, if we have time. I mean, because we're talking the about there's no time. We're, we're there's no time. Time doesn't exist. It's it's yeah. We're talking about all up in your process here. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so the process for thinking about this fractally, like, where did you start in the piece? Did did you start like with a really that really strong motive from the beginning, or did Bop. you? Yeah. Okay, that's it. Right? We started with Bob. Yeah, actually, <laughs> that that that. I thought about it as it. Oh, oh, see, so, oh, is Every this one time, of your is this one of your poetry things where like there's words behind this sort of? N there's not many. There's really not many. Right. I mean, like the retelling of it, the original story is the first, first, not first, first. Colin Firth, hey, who was a great actor. <laughs> <laughs> and then we end back on it. It's just lengthier. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So the original motive was very much I wanted that it to be constant throughout the first section. And then we leap away from it. As one might watch a trophy fish leap out of the water. I don't know. Metaphors yeah. getting heavy. No, no. No, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm digging it. I, Fractals, I, fish. <laughs> I mean it begins with F fish. Yeah. Um uh, no, well, I'm I am very excited to get the opening tempo, which is quite fast, uh, to the indicated metronome marking. It's gonna be so good. I mean, and you know, what's hilarious is that every time Andy Hudson plays something of mine, he's like, "Are these tempos solid?" Or I was like, "No, they are not." <laughs> yeah, the fun thing about Andy Hudson, though, he's is he's not like, talking about doing it slower. <laughs> I was gonna say the exact same thing. Yeah. He's like, "So the end." I was like, "As." fast as you want my friend <laughs> blaze away yep make everybody else reach for it yeah. <laughs> oh he certainly does he certainly does well who's up next me or you 
Well, I think it it might make the most sense to go for me okay. uh, because yeah. we'll go from a solo to our largest piece, sure, mm-hmm. uh, and then and collapse back down to you. And I don't want to follow you. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to follow Rob today. It's too good. Spoiler too alert: good. Oh, man. you're gonna want to hang around for Cut this last out. piece. All right, so so you have you have a you have a non. Uh, Corona Times type of ensemble. Yeah, actually, pull that off. So, so interestingly enough, this was uh, we were the faculty at Fredonia, kind of um, commissioned by our uh, director of orchestral studies to come up with some kind of pieces that could showcase the orchestral musicians of the Fredonia College Symphony without using the entire ensemble. So yeah. they d- being divided into small chamber cohorts. Mm, um, okay. And as uh, initially we were trying to envision these as purely digital. Like right. everyone, re- yeah, everyone on everyone a, their own screen would be on their own screen. Yeah. We would com- uh, compile it together, post and, and have a performance as restrictions began lifting. Mm-hmm. And as we we were able to like, uh, you know, uh, sign distance. out, yeah, sign out some ridiculously large halls for like quartets and quintets. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. As this was all able to happen, we started to actually have uh, some some of these rehearsals live and in person. So the actual concert ended up being kind of a uh, a mix of a lot of people in the same room and then people who were in different countries sending in their video stem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw on yours you had one cellist. One cellist who was quarantining uh, oh. uh, in, in a different city, right? Okay. Uh, and so uh, she she was sent in her stream and yeah, that was... How did you do that in, um, in concert? Did you just have her coming through like a speaker that was kind of placed in the ensemble or... This was when there were no public concerts at Fredonia. So, oh, so this everything was, just was done... Pre-recorded. Yep, pre-recorded oh, and okay. streamed. Okay, 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 yep. Okay. yep. Yeah. Um, What's it uh, called? The piece is titled From Within the Labyrinth. Okay. And well, so if we're talking about process, this is this is very much related to how Jamie and I think about aleatoric music. Okay. Let's uh, let's listen to it. Thank you. 
nice. Mm-hmm. I'm so damn proud of those students. I mean, yeah. I, I have to say, these are all undergraduates. They were nice. all undergraduates playing, yeah. and most of them had never seen aleatoric music before. Yeah, this was yeah. a huge learning process. That's yeah, that's awesome. And there was no conductor. Oh, they were just right, hello. This, this was all. There was no conductor. A lot of it is limited aleatory, meaning the performers are making choices based upon what they're hearing everybody else doing in the moment. Okay. And they have to stay together with uh, a stopwatch. Timer. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. 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 So you had a couple moments in there with, you know, obviously it starts out with uh, this big like bass hit. Mm-hmm. And you had a couple more moments during the piece where there's a bass hit. And it almost seemed like that bass hit... Uh, it the the hit itself kind of produced this little fluttering of other instruments yep yeah so is that one of those choices that they have to make or yeah and it's it's one of the things where um the trick with aleatory which jamie and i talk about to our students all the time and probably you do too it's like yeah how do you get into it yep and how do you get out of yep. it yep what are the on-ramps and the off-ramps yep. for every player and, and so usually, you know, there, this is handled in several ways, but I'm stealing this from like a schnitka kind of approach. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'm thinking specifically of the, of the serenade, right? The chamber piece where there is wild chaos. Like uh, the, these chamber musicians are playing in a bunch of different styles simultaneously. And then there's a percussion hit that like galvanizes yeah. everything. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, or so this stops everyone or stop. Right. Yeah. Or, or stops everything. Kinda, the uh, okay. So that's what were you thinking of the bassist as almost a quasi conductor, like an impulse, not necessarily a conductor, yeah. but uh, it, it when actually they do something. Something needs to happen. And everybody can anticipate when this is going to happen because it's all very clearly marked in their score when certain events occur. Yeah. Now, now sometimes they just run over the base event. They're just still doing their thing. And other mm-hmm. times events coincide with other people. So right. they're listening for those moments just like they would in chamber music. That's a very like uh, music for 18 mm-hmm. type of idea, you know, with like music for 18, the vibraphone is the conductor. Like yeah. whenever it does something, all right, it's time to change. Yep. Yeah. You know, so yeah. That's, that, so does the bass part, is that almost like written out completely? No, actually. No, they can just decide. So, so it is, it is the first half is written out pretty uh, strict, uh, uh, strictly. And I mean, strictly, it's all in proportional notation. Yeah. It's all like second delineations. Sure. Um, and they got some, you know, some kind of accelerando deceleration sort of things between time points, but like at specific time points when they have like a snap pizzicato or some kind of gesture like that, that is supposed to be at that moment. Oh, okay. Got it. But then the bass player is the first person to actually start improving. Hmm. So at about a third of the way through the piece, the solo bassist up in their highest register is doing like this improvised chant against mm-hmm. the the primary solo material which i'm stealing from um the uh the sacred harp um uh it's a wayfaring stranger is the tune okay uh which i thought That's was appropriate the, the flute for, and mm-hmm. the later the trumpet the flute trumpet kind of collaboration yeah. and it's actually like you hear the flute trumpet and vibraphone player are kind of all like three of the four voices actually yeah. the vibraphone kind of does two sometimes like so it's the the quartet uh, version is actually embedded into the score. Mm. That's another thing I really like. I like that there is a lot of fixed structure to the piece. There's a lot of things that sound 
exactly the same from performance to performance, except all of the cool things about it shift from performance to performance. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of flexibility. You opened that folder. Uh, so when I sent you the folder, Rob, you had said, how, wait, how many, like, what are all these recordings? <laughs> yeah. One of the reasons why I have so many recordings is it's it's not very different from performance to performance, but there are just these lovely little morsels where I'm like, and and this time they did it, this happened, and it yeah. was beautiful. Yeah. How do you, I mean, we were kind of talking about this in the car uh, yesterday, coming back from Buffalo, like that idea of, we were talking about it in terms of like live electronics and how, you know, with mm. live electronics, if you if you want to build a piece that's kind of like really live electronics heavy and have it be meaningful, it almost has to be somewhat not imp- like improvised or aleatory so that like you are engaging with the live electronics. Yeah, mm-hmm. because unless you're doing something that really needs to come from the instrument itself having it be like you know kind of not fixed in time when your music like the the uh the instrumental part that you're writing is fixed in time right it's like what's the point yeah you know you could just do it with fixed media so right in this you you kind of come up against that same idea you have certain things that are you know shifting and and not going to be the same every time and i'm wondering like you know as i've as we're going to see in my piece um the more and more i do pieces that have electronics and you know i I kind of think about electronics sometimes as kind of aleatoric materials the more and more i do it the less and less i go to aleatory yeah i have become such a control freak like as I as I continue doing this, that I'm doing so much with fixed media because I just want it to sound exactly this way every single time. So, like for you for this piece, you know, how do you you're you're obviously okay with it. You're okay with the happy accidents. You're okay with. Well, I think structurally. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you and answer for you. No, go right Good. ahead. Um, yeah, because you know each other's process. Oh, I think we. I mean, we know yours too, and we know mm. what is satisfying that the three of us both are all both good job jamie sure have, we'll go with growth that's fine yeah, yeah. <laughs> the throat of is. us there it is um what's missing we've all experimented a lot with the amorphous aleatory that where we can't control large structural moments yeah really important points of arrival yep and none of us really love that it's not satisfying yeah like it could sound cool much of the time or some of the time mm-hmm. but the whole thing just doesn't work yeah but those happy accidents if they cause you to derail the climactic moment of the entire piece mm-hmm. that's what i don't think the three of us really tolerate anymore oh, no and so we build in the structural moments in the fixed part of of an electronic piece or in specific things that are not optional for the right. performers. Yeah. That are written out in yeah. almost and then in time. This yeah. more subtle changes, like you have a lot of um circular bowing that was beautiful, by the mm-hmm. way. Oh thank you. Heck with you. Yeah, yeah. You had a harp in there. So I got a little um, jealous. Heck with you. Heck so with good. you. So good. Sweet. I don't know why I suddenly stopped swearing. I like this is not very <laughs> me. I, I will tell you why you suddenly stopped swearing because we've watched a lot of TikToks lately that are like from the point of view of an animal who is talking. Oh, and animals never it's all, swear. It's heckin'. Oh, it's heckin'. Heckin' doggo. Heckin' oh, doggo. Heck- Jeez. 
This God. is a murder floof, heckin' <laughs> deathly. Okay, so next year before I teach middle schoolers over the summer, we just need to constantly watch, watch. TikTok. Yeah. animal TikTok. Animal TikTok. Yep. Okay, all right. So answers, <laughs> answers have been divulged. Anyways, I think I think that's the difference, and and it plays into all of our pieces. Is that yeah. the performers have so much choice? Retelling of it could be longer or shorter depending on their choices. Uh, and in Rob's piece, which we're going to listen to in a couple of minutes, there are things that can change, but you are never going to sacrifice those structural decisions again yes. to the performer because they've got enough to think about while no, they're performing. Right. And, and yeah. that's and not their job. That's you our want, job. You want things to hit. Yeah. yeah. And you want the performers to feel like they're contributing to the piece, like they're making it their own, like mm-hmm. they're making this moment special, but you want the moment they're making to be clearly directed. Yes. Yeah. And so in, in my piece in particular here, um, yeah, all of the particular. Oh, drink. <laughs> Everyone drink. <laughs> in my, in his particular piece on this particular podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the drinking continues. Um, okay. So, so what happens is i have i have essentially a a timeline yeah in in mind a structural timeline you, mm-hmm. you should see all the sketch of this piece uh, has gone through uh, but this timeline yeah. basically as the performer travels down the page they have choices they it's a it's a labyrinth score um, mm. that once they do a thing they could go here or here choose your own adventure it is very much a choose your own adventure but which is trademarked by a company called choose your own adventure never mind so. it's not a cho- it's a it's a find your path find your path um pretty sure that's a psych- psychedelic guru somewhere oh, <laughs> make a choice of your <laughs> own devising devising your own particular choice your own particular <laughs> choice and your own particular path okay so as the performer like makes these decisions i kind of have it as a little um Jamie's we're gonna dying. Pa- we're gonna pause. Jamie's that. dying. Oh man! <laughs> I tried to be subtle about it. You can't. Nope. I, I kind of thought about it like a tree diagram, you know. So yeah. as as the performer moves down the tree, right? They have so much. All of those choices at a given stage are actually just subtle variations of the same sort of thing. Yeah. So the piece unfolds globally in the same way, but on the surface, some details are up for wherever they okay, happen. Okay, it's to weird that you said tree because what is the shape of each individual part? Hang on, I I think I I think I get this mm-hmm. more. Okay, hold on. Um, you you have a contour for the piece. Mm-hmm. That contour can uh, stretch mm-hmm. and uh, it can contract and imp- and uh, I was about to say contra- contract and implode. Those are the same things. <laughs> it can contract and stretch, but ultimately you're going to get to the same place. The shape is congruent regardless of the transformation. The, yeah. the transformations, it could be bigger, smaller. It's the same shape piece. Yeah. It's the same shape piece, but the but how it's articulated in that moment, in that time, in that space with those performers could be a little different. You have, okay, I... I, I think the tree metaphor doesn't work so much. Well, crap. Here's what I think you have. <laughs> I think you have a a length of rope. Oh. And the s- strands of that rope at certain points have been pulled apart. Okay. And sometimes they go right back together again. Yeah, I could I could see that. Yeah. And the rope is, you know, yeah. able to I mean this I is I like not the nautical a, metaphor. 
The yeah. Yes. Okay. This All is right. good. I approve. Ahoy, me mateys. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, unapproved. Okay. So, so Jamie did. Jamie did Denied. bring up. Jamie did bring up the actual labyrinth scores themselves, which I think is the yeah. last thing that I'll do before I hand the the floor to a much better composer. Oh, stop um, it. Stop so it. the the apparently I don't know why I do this to myself. Maybe you two can answer this question for me. But apparently the challenge of writing a quote unquote zoom piece or a piece that is to be articulated digitally. Yeah. Was not a challenge enough for me. Of course it wasn't. So this is ridiculous. Here's where it gets too much. So here's too much. Where it was ridiculous, and here's where it gets stupid. So <laughs> of of the thirteen performers, I I have uh two violins, two viol no two violin ones, two violin twos, uh two violas, and two cellos. Yeah. And then one string bass. But the string bass we already said was like had a really strong function yeah. for a thing. So there are eight string players in this ensemble. Okay. There are eight letters in Fredonia. Oh. <laughs> so each string player's labyrinth score yeah. spells a letter of Fredonia, and that is that is the maze that they're navigating through. So if you look at the parts, so they're parts like they make uh, they an spell out an letter F shaped and R and E. How how a D, crumb of you? An O and N and I and an A. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh -huh. Mm -hmm. okay. I think it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't just stop with. <laughs> no. Um, all, right. all right. So yeah, that's my send off to you, Rob. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's talk about your music. All right. Uh, well, this piece um, is the last thing that I've written. Um, well, completed. And um, I think you mean most recent. Most recent. There it is. I'm not dead. Um, <laughs> well, that, I think semantically that's important. Okay, <laughs> uh, it's for it's called Bloom. It's for piano and electronics. I wrote it, wrote it for Justin Snyder, who is Woot. one of our uh, performance um, partners. Partners for Adjective, and um, I'm really happy that I got to write for Justin and kind of write for Justin first because. Justin, uh, he and I met because he came to Ohio University um, to do a piano and electronics uh, concert. This was pre-pandemic. And um, it was one of my colleagues, uh, Lucas Borges, our trombone faculty, who, you know, I just ran into him in the hall one day. And he was like, oh, my God, we just played with this pianist at um, the International Trombone uh festival i think it's itf um mm -hmm. international trombone festival he was accompanying us and uh he was incredible you should look this guy up uh, so i did and mm. uh i was like wow you do you do a lot of cool stuff and yeah. maybe do you want to come down and do a concert because he's up in ann arbor so he's not that far away right and um he uh he came down and he did like half a show of all piano and electronics pieces. And, you know, we went out to dinner and he was just a delightful human being. We talked about art and his his Instagram is like he he and I really share a artistic sensibility when it comes to like visual art or installation art or something like that. Oh, so that's so important in collaborations. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So we, uh, you know, we we just uh, we just got along. And uh, when I think Jamie, you were you were talking about like, hey, we we should try to find a pianist. 
you know. To yeah, somebody had said like, a couple of of the composer collective members when we were talking about expanding the performance partnership. Yeah, there were a couple of people interested in having someone around who could do piano and perf- uh, and electronics successfully. Yeah. And um, and I think you and another person immediately, immediately, like, it terrified me how fast you responded. Yeah. Um, I was recommended Justin. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think it was yeah, it was you sense. and Garrett. Um, yeah. And so I reached out to Justin, and he was just like, uh, yes, yes, yeah. I'm on board. Let's do this. And he's, he's before I knew it, like, <laughs> like, we haven't even announced Justin, Justin yet. You will definitely, we will by the time this podcast airs, but we had not even announced that Justin was a performance partner and Rob was like, I'm on it. I am yep. on this. <laughs> I'm doing, doing this. It's going to be great. And uh, yeah, it's been an interesting to be part of the process. Yeah. So um, Bloom is, the the title comes from the idea, not of a flower, but of like um an algae bloom or a mm. bloom a bloom of jellyfish rising from the depths or something like that and uh, a concept that um Justin and I really really talked about in our first meeting when we were figuring out what this piece was going to be was um kind of about like aura about like light that surrounds but doesn't touch ah gotcha okay and um when i was you know (laughs) it should be no surprise to anyone who knows my music i i tend towards uh the ocean yeah for a lot of things like i just wrote a bassoon and uh piano piece for jamie yes that uh it's called light unraveled but it's it's about like light coming through water ah you know so (laughs) it's really weird but like side quest here for a second yeah I got super obsessed with returning to my roots and writing about the St. Lawrence River like two, three years ago. And at the same time, all of your oceanic stuff has taken over. Yeah. We're friends for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. We've been a little water obsessed (laughs) lately. (laughs) And I also don't think it's going away because there's just so many aspects of it you can write about. Totally. Yep. Yeah. I mean, uh, and for for me, you know, I've, I've had reoccurring dreams about like kind of being not being a fish like creature but just being able to be underwater mm-hmm. and move you know breathe and move like a fish and i i have these dreams a lot the you'd ocean, like to be a merman i kind of would yeah i kind of would i mean um, there are per- there are professional so mermaids at this point right now folks yeah it all makes all the songs right. make there, sense. there are professional mermaids we could definitely make this we happen. could make this happen <laughs> we can we can um, this is not where I thought this was going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so anyway, um, uh, we were we were kind of talking about that, and I and I used the I I really like the idea of like bioluminescence mm-hmm. that you get from algae, that you get from jellyfish, that you get from like deep sea uh, creatures that are able to produce light without you know where there is no light, and mm-hmm. that that brilliant blue um, light that you get from or these these like really really rich and like shimmery hazy greens and and stuff like that so that is uh kind of where i was where i was coming from with this piece uh i think that manifests itself mostly in the electronics um in that 
uh, believe it or not, when you listen to it, um, Mario Davidovsky's Synchronisms number six, number six was right? a huge, uh-huh. huge influence on this. Not in the sense of like, oh, you know, it's going to be like really rhythmically structured. I mean, it is rhythmically structured, but but more so that just that first moment, mm-hmm. that first moment hmm. of you play a C or, or whatever it is on the piano and all of a sudden that comes out of the electronics it does something that the piano cannot do. Mm-hmm. It extends mm-hmm. the instrument. I, yeah. This has been a kind of an obsession with mine for a long time. And I finally, since I think, uh, primarily because I was so intimidated by Eleni Lilios's um, nostalgic, uh, nostalgic visions, um, I really did not... Have, you didn't want to tackle piano. I did not want to oh. tackle piano and electronics for a mm, long time. Fair. I mean, I, I still love that piece. I, I I was completely blown away when I heard it the first time live at Seamus uh, 2010, and it's been in my life ever since. And you know, it it was one of it, you know, it's a kind of like. Brahms not wanting to do symphonies or whatever because of Beethoven. What a terrible time to be a composer. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, so um, finally, you know, I had a reason. Justin was my reason because I had seen what he can do. Yeah. I had seen who he was as a pianist, as an artist, as like just a creative person. And I was like, okay, I I, I think I have something to say now. Yeah. And uh, Davidovsky was... Um, that that idea of you know the electronics extending upon the piano the electronics like surrounding the piano and um kind of producing that that aura that light that bioluminescence was kind of the idea for the piece cool hey, rob well let's hear what you have to say all right here it is <laughs> Thank you. 
Damn. <laughs> and we hate you just a little oh, bit. God. No, 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 no. Uh, um, uh, so, oh God, where to start? Oh, for okay. There's a couple things. You, you, you recently. That's it's, a cat. It's cat hour. So there's, there's the... a cat running around the <laughs> house right now. <laughs> Cat hour. Um, anyway. uh, be uh, so, prepared. So uh, oh, you had mentioned Eleni Lilios earlier, and I think the nice thing is it, very often when we talk about not wanting to write a piece because we have a particular model in mind or a particular yeah. uh, composer or piece of music that has um, just floored us for whatever reason, we often don't want to write that piece because we don't want to like rewrite something right we don't we don't want to be in the shadow of something i do think this piece stands apart from eleni's in a lot of ways it is definitely something that is um different yeah when i i mean when i if if i would have written this in 2012 or something it would have just been a copy right you know yeah so it it literally took 11 years for me to come up with some ideas that were n- were completely unrelated right to her there's obviously influence because yeah. of like like the things that i think eleni uh would would um fi- prioritize in her music are things that you also prioritize yeah. which is also the, the danger in that overlap yeah. but i think it definitely speaks in a different voice and and uh, is a different uh, kind of entity. Well, and I think it all draws exactly what you said from the collaboration when, yeah. and and from having a really fresh perspective on what you want to bring to that set of repertoire. I do also my one other thing before I'm going to let, you know, Jamie have at it with with some uh, some of her observations since she's very close to you in terms of she was very close to this piece. The process <laughs> of this piece. Um, uh, the fact that the title is Bloom. First off, I think the title is immaterial because okay. I didn't. I didn't actually know what the title of this piece was before I listened to it the first time. Yeah. And I thought the piece worked. So as as a piece of music, I think it's really strong. Um, the title. Like for those people in the know, has kind of like a double entendre, but not in that way. It has it has a dual meaning. This mm-hmm. idea of of bloom. You're talking about like an algae bloom, but you're coming off the flora piece, and yes. so you had made the distinction. It's not like a flower blooming, but if you look at a composer's output and you see the types of things that they're writing, <laughs> I love like watching like your insect pieces. How yeah. like you got to like <laughs> your 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 pieces like morph and unfold, and these titles do kind of relate. So it's a cool journey that someone who looks at your output can sort of take through the piece itself so i just wanted to say the title is immaterial but also quite fun Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) well and i think i mean we're all technically like great lakes composers and i think region is important oh so important region is really important i I can't imagine george crumb not being a west virginia composer like he, he makes a really big statement about the sound world that he exists in. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason why three years ago I went back to, I grew up being at the St. Lawrence river. Yeah. That body of water is really influential to me. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going through some similar things. And I, and without, without getting into all of the grossness that is yeah. Lake, Lake Erie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're sitting two miles from Lake Erie right now in Veronia. Yeah. Um, Andrew and I have been moving around the lake for (laughs) 
all of our adult lives. We've yeah. lived in Fredonia twice now. We've lived in Toledo. Toledo. Um, a lot of our um, our work and our art takes place around Ontario, Michigan, Erie, Lakes, and St. Lawrence, mm-hmm. and these big bodies of water that have huge influence on the communities that surround them. And yeah. we can't not mention that algae bloom to Lake Erie people means something really damn right. different. Really, really different. Like, really yeah. different. Andrew yeah. and I were living in Toledo in 2014 when we got shut out of the water, water system for crisis. three days. Yeah. And, um, you know, like we've bought a book since then about, it's called The Ends of the Earth, right? Yes. Yes. It's such a good book. It's about all of the various apocalyptic, like, like moments, ending moments <laughs> of the earth as it's been around for like the five like, a different long time. Mass extinction seven, events? Seven, I believe. Seven. I believe there are, I believe there are seven. But, uh, and we're seven? I'm, I'm currently having a sugar cookie beer. I really thought mm. it was five. I feel like it's seven. Uh, okay, well are maybe th- are maybe there two that the mainstream scientific media are not telling us about. Rob, Rob and I have not read this book. I will I will report because it is on, okay. it is on my TBR li- uh, right. list. So, um, yeah, but I mean that book references what we lived through. What we lived through yeah. references yeah. water shortages and and we've actually suffered some of that in Fredonia. Different problem, not the algae blooms, but. Yeah. Um, old water system um but water scarcities is a thing and so i I listen i look at your title and i have a Hmm. great lakes dweller response to it in a way that you know i think distinction of it's not a flower this is important (laughs) um i mean and yeah so like that that whole idea of you know kind of growing up around it um I my grandparents lived on the Maumee River. Yep. Like literally I could go into their backyard and throw a rock into the river, mm-hmm. you know. So um We I, were about a block away where we lived. Yeah, so I kind of I kind of grew up with uh having that experience, you know, fishing with my grandfather and then, you know, later certainly um when Kate and I were uh you know, uh, dating in high school and then eventually married. Like we got married on, on a beach mm-hmm. in North Carolina. We basically spent the majority of our last year down in North Carolina, mm-hmm. like basically going to the beach, going into the ocean two or three times a week. You know, I think it's just always been a big part of my life. And, um, and you know, my like, I love watching nature documentaries. That's no secret to anyone. <laughs> no, um, shocking. I love the ocean ones. I am co- I am continually fascinated by ocean life. I mean, for God's sakes, my last uh, a couple pieces ago, flute quartet is about octopuses. <laughs> you know, like is that the plural of octopus? Sorry to is. derail. Oh like, my God, you, I have taught the, this to so many people. You you know the Greek plural because of that one cartoon we watched years and years Octopody? ago. Octopody. <laughs> it is P-O-D-I. not octopi. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, could be octopodes. I think. Ooh. Oh, can I pronounce it octopod? No. Damn it! It's octopuses. <laughs> it sounds wrong. It really sounds wrong. But that is that is accurate. 
the two the two times that piece has been performed i have taught the audience the correct plural of octopus yeah i actually Um, love that about the piece because that i know that's something again how do you endear audiences so like that's something they might not remember the piece necessarily but But they they remember remember that moment yep and that is actually sometimes more important so I mean, with maybe not more important, but it definitely <laughs> it definitely creates an emotional thread between the audience and the piece, yeah. and it, it and it knits yes. it together a little yes. bit tighter. I mean, this this piece, Bloom. When we are recording, it will be premiered next week on my recital, mm-hmm. and Woot. I'm I'm so so incredibly excited about it. Like I, I mean, Jamie, you you and I, you suffered with me. <laughs> through the uh completion of this piece i needed to alleviate some of the strain on your family i feel like the stress of this piece was was heavy and yeah. i and i feel like kate and i both took a lot of like what about this and what about that and what about yeah. this and oh my god i'm still here in the studio and it's 10 30 at night <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, the the timeline of this piece, uh, my first meeting with Justin was in February of uh, this year, mm-hmm. and uh, then I didn't. I com- uh, the, actually the ending, uh, the end three minutes. That was the first thing I wrote. Cool. Okay. Um, and that was of the piano part. You did this really differently than yeah. i'm used to for you because you wrote yeah. the entire piano part first all up in your process all all of the piano part came first um i had i i was i was not not writing the electronics but i just wasn't stopping right to like make them um i have a question okay is that related to this idea again of you have a fixed component that is more or less done. You have a trajectory for this. And now you felt the scaffold was ripe for the electronics to be built around it in a more concrete way. I think so. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so I wrote, I wrote that ending in February, you know, maybe a week after I met with Justin and then I really had to put it down for Mm. several months. Sorry. No, no, no. You're not the fault yet. Oh, good. Yet being Um. the key word, (laughs) being the key word. So, uh this i mean it was just because like the semester was really hectic and i was by myself uh in in uh athens while my family was uh down in north carolina and it was just not a good time for me so i didn't get a lot done but once the semester ended i basically had a month until they were going to come back and i finished the piano part i was you know going into school every day uh, going into the recital hall, mm-hmm. nose to the grindstone, and uh, playing on their fantastic Steinway grand piano in the recital hall every day, and just writing, 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 and um, I finished it like a day before they were going to come back. the The piano part, right? Okay, so then they come back. Um, I'm kind of in more like uh, I'm this taking is care where of the kids. I need to apologize. I'm taking care of the kids, you know, because because Kate is still working a, you know, eight to five day. So I'm like doing stuff with the kids and yep. I don't really have that much time to work on the electronics. And and then uh, we started renovating our bathroom and we kind of thought like, hey, there are going to be other people in our house. We should really get the kid because the, obviously the kids were not vaccinated. They right. have. Yep. They have their <gasps> vaccination appointment on yes! November twelfth. I'm so excited! Um, we got the day of your recital. Huh? Yeah. Well, that was the day that it had it's going to, be. to be very memorable. Very memorable. Um, so, 
anyway uh we decided like uh kate's parents had gone back to toledo and their north carolina house was just kind of empty for a while and we were like well i'm gonna take the kids down to north carolina by myself and for like two or three weeks i was just like solo dad parenting and um you know taking them uh you know taking them to the beach and just hanging out all day but uh as any parent knows you cannot get any work done you know what and by the work t- you speak of? by the time <laughs> by the time you actually get them into bed you are so fucking exhausted that yeah. actually working on something doesn't even come into your brain so uh not able to work on the electronics then then i come back to uh we we come back to athens and this is where it's jamie's fault uh, because Jamie, uh, one night, uh, called me. It was like, you were really drunk, by the way. <laughs> it was hilarious. I I was drunk, too. Interesting. <laughs> but you wanted me to write a bassoon and piano piece. I find that this is when the best commissions happen. Oh, totally. Right? It's when... Yeah. when yeah. Like, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, totally. I'll write you that piece. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. I'm, so when I'm working I, on putting together the new music uh shelf bassoon yep. anthology and i was looking for i got most of it put together but i was still looking for one or two things very specifically yeah. so i called a few people and said this is the type of piece i need to fit um our our you know what's kind of lacking in yep. in this anthology and i had three composers rob mickey wadsworth and myself yep. who are all writing pieces to fill specific needs yeah um, but yeah, that did mean I called Rob <laughs> apparently drunk. I don't remember. I don't remember this part. This is, this is all we'll take, we'll take your word for it. Cause <laughs> oh, I remember <laughs> <laughs> it was a very different night that I called you drunk. And I remember my request that night, but that was about helping with a student problem. And I was just at the end yeah. of my ever loving rope. Yeah. So, so anyway, uh, like when I got back to Athens, I was like, Oh my God, I, I gotta write this thing. Yeah. Like the the deadline is looming. So I just kind of threw myself into that project. Mm-hmm. But now this is where this Andrew's is where fault comes I in. I come in. You, you both delayed this this piece Remember, so much. What the title did you of do? this process was all up in your process. And oh, that is like, yeah. Well, we got all, we uh, disrupted. So, so as I was driving home from North Carolina, the 10-hour drive from North Carolina to Athens, <laughs> Andrew calls <laughs> oh, and is like Hey, hey, uh, we need someone for interlocking online. Oh, Would you be interested? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, yes. That's right. The weight of that deadline crumbles. Yeah. <laughs> so then I do interlocking online for three weeks. Like, and realistically, it was four weeks because I had to prepare right. for it. Right, prep yep. week and then, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that brings us to August. We go like, on vacation. Oh. oh. We go on vacation and I just decide, <laughs> like, I'm not going to work. I am going to be with my family. It has yep. been a, like, hectic year. We need this. So we do that. Come back. Week before classes start. Got to prepare. Yep. And then classes start. And that's when I finish like over it's uh like the end of september through october 15th october 15th was my deadline okay like had to have it done yeah by then for the sake of getting it to justin so he could you know yeah, like learn prepare it, it yep. for a month later and um 
I was basically in the studio on my non-teaching days from 9 a.m. to about 11 p.m. And a lot of the to- those times I was calling Jamie like, I'm never going to finish this. <laughs> yes, this you is are. complete crap. It's not. Like, I'm, I don't know what I'm even doing anymore. Yes, you do. Like, <laughs> there was one time when I called you and I was like, I think... I think I want to delete 30 seconds for the piano part, but am I just being lazy? Am I just... Is, that was a really fun night for yeah, me, honestly. <laughs> like, because, because, you know, I'm such a pain in the ass as a teacher. Yeah. I'm such a, you're doing this to serve your energy purposes and you're not doing it to serve the music the right? but and i so, was doing it to dude serve the music. i made you justify that up one side of the room and down the other yeah. like I, I you had to fight me yep. to to get that 30 seconds out of there and i think it worked i think it worked but i also was like i knew you were exhausted and i knew yeah. i was being a bitch about it i 100 percent knew all of those <laughs> things but i also strongly believe when somebody's calling to ask me for advice i will never be comfortable with them looking back on that moment and being like it's jamie's fault i did this right or or the fact that uh you didn't provide them the opportunity to sounding board and rationalize like with like that 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 time is very important so go ahead there's actually a ridiculous route to all of this and it's george fucking o'malley Oh, here's the Grey's Anatomy quote of the episode. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> hey, I rarely, rarely I do know. this. But no, there was this great moment for him as a character. And I was like, I can be that as a friend because he walked up to someone in his life who was being a pickle about a pickle. his marriage. And Peckin he was like, pickle. okay, either I'm going to stop talking to you because you've th- you haven't handled this well. And I'm my marriage is going to either go well or it's going to fall apart. And either way, I'm going to need you. And you are you are the one who's causing that right now. Mm-hmm. And so there there was I had a huge shift in approach to friendship afterwards. And I want to make sure that, you know, 10 years down the road when Rob's like, I regret moving that 30 seconds of this is never oh, going to happen. I don't regret it. This is yeah. never going to happen. Um, yeah. But no, as a good friend. I need to be here either way, but I also want to make sure it's not my fault. Okay, well, here's here's the thing, and and I've said this, I think, on multiple podcasts before, so apologies if this is redundant information. But but on this particular podcast. On this particular podcast. I'm drinking um, twice. The, <laughs> the idea that other artistic disciplines and art forms have editors. Yeah. Like, in order to get yep. a book published, yep. even if you're self-publishing, there is often editors there's an editorial process film it's awful we as composers (laughs) there is still this 19th century mentality of the composer genius is gifted this thing that we just all accept and i feel like so many more of us should be honest about how often we seek like outside opinion from other like collaborators other artists and acknowledge that, not necessarily in the score itself, uh, although, you know, maybe maybe the pop industry has something with all those, like, 18 people that have copyright over <laughs> that right. one song, right? Um, but it's, I think it's a mistake for especially students to think that they're in this on their own. Yeah. Because without that dialogue back and forth between what we discuss here on these podcasts with the two of you, like influencing how my music is shaped from what I hear in your stuff or what I hear you thinking about, it's all an editorial filter. Well, and when, you know, this was several summers ago, 
uh, I was working on something and I I called you, Jamie. I you think did. you were just coming back from Italy or something. I wasn't. I hadn't left yet. You were in I Italy. Was, it was no, no. I hadn't left. Oh, you had the you US were going to Italy. Or oh, maybe no, 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 no. I no. can't remember. Anyway, no, I was back. You're right. You're okay. right. I left before Andrew left for Interlochen, and then I flew home, and I was alone for a couple of weeks. So you called me while I was out to dinner with or out to lunch with Rob Deemer. Right. And you were like, "I need to talk to you." <laughs> I was yeah. like, "This sounds ominous." <laughs> well, it was not. I'm just. I, I. I'm just not. I. I have said this to my students. I have said it probably on the podcast. I just don't believe in the like composure genius bullshit. Yeah. Like I am. Amen. I am very much like I like I like talking to people mm-hmm. about the music and through the music. You know, I want I want people's opinion. I like having lessons. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And you know, you were talking about the pop industry. Like every pop artist has a producer. Yep. You know? And it's like the producer is there to make what you are doing more you than you could do you yep you know don't settle right well even even we had an idea for the you know the uh truth or lie podcast that yeah that you've listened to already um if not go back and listen (laughs) (laughs) that episode the idea for that episode runs exactly like i like to run meetings Mm -hmm. you should come to a table with a problem yeah. table with people who don't necessarily think exactly like you who are either smarter than you or a different life experiences smarter's relative let's get that get rid of that word different life experiences than you you come to a problem to a table with a problem yeah you offer a solution that you know is not perfect yeah you ask for input and that gives person a a mediocre idea person b a terrible idea but person c gets the best idea for solving it from person b's absolutely awful idea yeah and none of the perfect the perfect idea couldn't have happened dare i say it's a process it's a process and we're all up in it boom <laughs> should we just end it right there <laughs> oh. <laughs> i don't know i don't know yeah but like but i think that's what's you called me for a peer lesson and i was like i am not qualified to teach someone with a doctorate but that but that mm-hmm. that doesn't matter whatsoever i know like well, i don't forget i had an awesome inferiority complex yeah. at the time well okay <laughs> but but yeah, it's like you go to the people you trust and respect because yeah. yep. you know they're not just going to they're not just going to bullshit you. Right. You know, you know they're going to become invested in it. You know that they're going to just like, you know, with with us and our students, it's like this isn't our music, but we're still becoming invested mm-hmm. very because much so. we oh, think, yeah. you know, this could be something. You might have something here mm-hmm. and I'm not going to let you like just kind of fluff over it just to get it yep. done. Like, no, you I'm going to push you a little bit so that you can yeah. have something here. And so you, you have that level of investment. And I feel like as friends, we also have that level of investment in yeah. each other to to the point where I can call you and say, dude, am I is this anything? Do I have anything mm-hmm. here? Am, is this stupid? Like what is going I don't really feel like I know what I'm doing anymore and you know, you can ground the listen ground the responses in reality. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the the time I 
I called you however many years ago on that piece. Twenty seventeen. Like, I think it was twenty eighteen. I think it was summer of twenty seventeen. Five or six tw- years. Summer Sorry. of twenty eighteen. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> but you you like said one sentence to me, and it would it completely changed my trajectory. Yep. On that piece, and I was like, it opened something up that made the piece work. You know. And at the moment, you probably didn't think that one sentence was going to have that effect, but, you know, you were invested Mm -hmm. and we trusted each other and and that's it. So Well, and I think we'd also discussed a couple of times in the past that Andrew and I have been doing this for one another since I graduated Bowling Green because I graduated before he did and the months that followed... We're, we're cute awful <laughs> <laughs> i mean there was dangerous things that happened that that month i read i mean like i burned out so hard graduating yeah. from bowling green as many people do uh, it was well, it not was bowling green specifically but no, at the end of a large terminal yeah. degree or an ending degree of some kind i yeah. mean we've talked about it before i had a master's performance on bassoon a month after my opera premiered which was a month after doctoral auditions which i never you know ended up getting a doctorate so you know how that went and um and I was doing two master's degrees at once. So my burnout was profound. I read 30 books in 30 days. And Andrew asked me at one point if I was going to ever go get a job. (laughs) Yes, long-time listeners might recall that statement. Yeah. Um, He survived, (laughs) barely. Um, (laughs) I was was not... You have to say you're joking. Like... No. (laughs) (laughs) Not in this case. (laughs) Um, Podcasts are not admissible as evidence. Uh, <laughs> love it. <coughs> but, but yeah, those who have listened long term probably know that like within a month of that very dark time period, I was composing again. Yeah. We, it took me three months or more, maybe, maybe four or five to come back to bassoon playing because yeah. everything, everything was difficult at that point. Um, but I also knew that I had no projects lined up i had no deadlines i had no requirements i had nothing i had a void in front of me nobody cared if Mm -hmm. i kept composing yeah and so um i did write a piece that still hasn't been performed to this day Mm. oh is this lotus lotus this is lotus i remember this piece it's a chamber orchestra piece for ballet uh huh. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. It's it's a thirteen minute ballet. Um, and I, it had a really solid concept. It had it was had some beautiful orchestration things going on in it. I still think the form was pretty solid. Just it's never gotten anywhere. Yeah. So I've submitted it to probably forty seven things. It's never been selected. It's fine. It served its purpose. But one of the yeah. things I realized was I wasn't making enough progress every week without lessons yeah without somebody just looking over my shoulder being like yeah 11 measures a week is not enough sweetheart mm-hmm. what are you going to do to make sure you meet goals for the next week so andrew started doing something for me he he checked in once a week and was like mm-hmm. how many measures <laughs> can i listen to them my my favorite thing was not so much the check-in uh but the the challenges we would give each other oh like, yeah okay we did i want too. you i want you to write Oh, what what piece do you not have in your output? Okay, I want you to write like a two minute piece just to like fill this void for this yeah. thing. And yeah. then we started putting on concerts. It's like, oh, we need more music. Can we get, can you write a piece for that? Like that all really helped. Yeah. And that's probably why I got so motivated so fast. And so we had talked to a bunch of friends of ours about that process. 
And you were one of them. Mm-hmm. So when you called in 20 whatever. 18. 17. Five or six years. 18. <laughs> and said. Summer of 2017, I was moving from China to the United States. It was 18. 2018. <laughs> <laughs> bomb, bomb, bomb. <laughs> Then it was before I went to Italy. Um, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Everyone cares about this so much. Not at all. You know, I um, think I think we do get called. wonderful insight into your personalities, both of you, through this exchange. <laughs> yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. Um, but when you called, it seemed like the most normal thing in the world that yeah. you wanted input from somebody because you are teaching at a school that doesn't have a lot of other composers, doesn't have, mm-hmm. a, you know, a community of new music people who understand when you ask them, is this piece being, su- is, this, is this successful? Yeah. We're talking about, is it structurally successful? Is it, f- is it, is it the energetic growth? Yeah. Is what you piece? want it to be? Is it, right. a, is it yeah. A you don't, you don't want someone to just like kind of blow smoke because like, Oh, it's, it, oh my god it's so great it's yeah. like oh, yeah. no yeah. you piece. want someone to nitpick it and Neat tear it apart yeah. out tear it apart yep <laughs> yeah so yeah anyway well we love the result thank you i i, I am very excited about this piece yeah. as well it is uh i told you guys last night like uh i think it's one of my favorites now i uh, don't take this the wrong way but i agree i, yeah. I love flora Mm-hmm. L- like Flora was my favorite piece of yours. Yeah, okay. I think Bloom might be oh. my new favorite piece of yours. <laughs> just like with our nieces and nephlets, our friends, all of our friends' kids, we don't have favorites. We right. just say they're both kick-ass, oh. and we hate you a little. Uh. And <laughs> and I have to also say, like, I'm very proud of all of us because during a time yeah. at which it would be really easy to kind of recoil and just not just be productive, yeah. like yeah. I think the three pieces that we heard today yep. were very much e- to each of our <laughs> strengths yeah. as composers. Absolutely. And uh, and it, it In was some nice cases they were you know survival as an artist yeah. depended yeah. on these pieces yeah. getting mm-hmm. us through in in a number of ways um and i'm grateful to have the opportunities we had to keep doing this yeah, yeah. during a global crisis cheers yeah. friends well done cheers well uh that wraps it up so uh go to adjectivenewmusic.com and uh, look for these pieces if you are interested in uh, listening more or performing or whatever. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. As always, if you want to find out more about adjective new music or lexical tones, please go to our website, www.adjectivenewmusic.com.